Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. The U.S. beat Canada 4-1 in Orlando on Friday night. Goals from Jordan Morris, Aaron Long, and a Jazzy's artist brace were more than enough to get a commanding win in a spirited effort from the American men. Greg, are we cooking? <laughs> uh, we're definitely, I mean, we're definitely preparing better dishes than Canada are at the moment. <laughs> Canada known for their cuisine. No, we, uh, we, we, we were cooking in Orlando. Uh, to me, it felt like the first game of a, of a coach's era. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense to me because you said it to me earlier today. The more I think about it, the more it makes sense for sure. Can you, can you expound on it anyways? Uh, just it looked like that looked to me like what a, a first game of uh, a coach who had just taken over the U.S. men's national team would have looked like. It, it didn't look like there we had built on anything, or it had it sort of a. It didn't look like the end of a long process. It looked like if you just took a group of guys and said, "Hey, here's how we can beat this team we're playing tonight. Like, go out and do it." Um, we we went out and did it. It was it was kind of rough around the edges. Uh, it was sc- very scrappy at times. It was opportunistic at times. Uh, none of the things I'm saying, I think, are bad things. Um, it just it it didn't feel like sort of the end point or midpoint of any kind of a process. It felt like Berhalter hit the reset button, kind of. Right. Which which again, I'm not I'm not trying to say that as a criticism. I welcome the reset button at this point. <laughs> And we can get we can definitely get more into that. Um, yeah, we will. Well, I'll come back. I'll come back and, and sort of reference the reset, I think, uh, as we go through this. Why don't we hear from Burhalter uh, in the press conference? He said he said a few things. He praised the players in general terms, several of them, Serginio Dest, John Brooks. He, he's interestingly, he said he asked John Brooks for more leadership. Um, he said Serginio Dest is a gamer. But I think this was the the most interesting quote we haven't done anything yet right we we had an objective is to go to the next round we're not in the next round yet you know we it was a good result the perform the the effort was amazing we could have played better there's a lot to work on man you know so there like i don't think i think the guys it's one of those games that galvanizes the group because of how much you need to put into it and then when you get a, when you get a victory it, it's nice but we're nowhere near where we need to be or where we're going to be so there you have it from uh, from Burhalter. I thought that was a that was a decent summary, and it kind of sounds a little bit like what you're saying, Greg, about it being sort of the beginning of the era again. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels that way, doesn't it? Like, uh, there's there's nothing that happened in that game against Canada uh, Friday night that required any like long term preparation. Like that was very much a game plan that was defensively. I'm I'm really focused on the defensive game plan because the possession side of things that Berhalter sort of been really hammering on for eleven months was I don't want to say non existent, but it was not like a, it was not in any way what what was successful in that soccer game. No. Uh they, the, we did the, try. We did try to do it. We tried to play out of the back some for like the first uh, thirty minutes. Maybe I'm, I'm still I'm still going to I'm going to not necessarily go along with that. But uh, but the defensive side was a drastic shift in our in our posture, in our setup, uh, in our shape. So that was completely different. And that's where I feel like that's where it's there. There was nothing about the first 10 months of Berhalter's can, uh, reign that was in any way like translated to tonight. No, it was no, it was a it was a complete shift, which is what we wanted. Right. Um, yes, defensive shape. for sure. So we wanted we wanted the four four two shape to go away and give us something else. And I would love to hear you sort of explain. It looked very different to me uh, on Friday night in several ways. But I would I would love to hear your take on it. What did we do differently with our defensive shape, and uh, and why did it work better? So there were a couple of different uh, shapes throughout the night. But uh, what I thought was really striking and and kind of unique, I don't think I've seen this too often before. Um, we we actually like from a topographical standpoint, we almost like kept our four two mm. two two. Uh, but it but it bent and shifted in some really weird ways in the in the weirdest way. And what I thought was really cool to see happen in real time was uh, the the two up front, like the uh, uh, sergeant. I'm sorry, the Zardes and Leggett two. Uh, actually sort of got outflanked 
by Morris and Ariola, and they became like the high two and got really narrow, pressing yeah. up high. I noticed. So that. it was like it was like this weird four two 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 where instead of uh, our winger sort of holding either on the line with our forwards or slightly behind it, they actually raced past them and pinched way into the middle. So we almost uh, we almost like duplicated Canada's box, but in defense and with our midfielders racing ahead of the forwards. Yeah, I didn't keep track of I didn't keep track with my stopwatch of how much we were pressing and how much we were you know in a low block. But of the times when we were pressing, it did seem like it was totally fluid and and it it could be it could have been any of the front five who were the, leading the line throughout that game when we were pressing, and it seemed that like that was a little bit confusing for Canada. Oh, I mean, very much. And it was, and it was, uh, it was organized from us. It was coherent. It was not like, uh, there was no ad libbing. I don't think going on, like this is what was supposed to happen. And the effect, can we, can we talk about what the effect was? Please, please do. I mean, the effect was clear. We like, we no longer looked like a team that was going to be dominated by an inferior talented side, a talent, a, a side with a talent, like a def- deficit, which is what we've seen in a lot of games, even going into the Gold Cup. Like the game I always go back to is Curacao, where yeah. we made it very easy for Curacao to play against. You could go to the Jamaica friendly, but that, you could argue, wasn't really our full strength team. Uh, whereas in Curacao, that was the best team we had available. That was like our mm-hmm. healthiest players. We're trying to win an elimination game. That was our best team. And a side of like Dutch second and third division players with a couple of Eredivisie Air- players sprinkled in, like, we didn't trouble it's them the at Ars, all. The Ars Divisie All-Stars, man. <laughs> right. So they looked very comfortable against us. And that's been the theme. You know, like everybody looks comfortable against us. And so then the running sort of commentary on the U.S. is, well, we just aren't very good. Well, Friday against Canada, we were like, all right, Canada, prove that you're actually good. And we, we put some pressure on them in the back. And they couldn't, they couldn't, they weren't good at all. They looked abysmal. This so, is what we've been asking for, right? Put right. some amount of pressure on teams, make them show that they're actually good at playing soccer, and and if they're not, like punish them for it. And I think that's exactly what we saw happen. And it's really too bad that no nobody asked Berhalter about the defensive shape in the post game press conference, so he never had to talk about it. Because I bet he would have. Maybe he would have loved to it, talk. Right? About, yeah, he, maybe he would have loved to talk about it. And but he he so we haven't heard what he said about it. But it did seem. It's it's safe to say that it, this was a complete departure, right? I mean, this is totally new, a coordinated system. Like, this is a positive thing, right? Yes. this That facet of the game Friday is what I would consider, like, the uh, unqualified success. Like, there, you, there's no qualification necessary. We tried to make things really difficult for Canada to play, and they could not do it. Like, Canada failed at, on almost everything they tried to do. Which, you know, maybe, maybe Canada is not any good at all. I, think I they, don't think they are that very good. I don't think they are very yeah. good. I think we made them look a lot better in the first game. And then there was, you know, some something in the defensive shape that you haven't talked about yet. It was we did drop into a pretty low block sometimes, especially after we scored. Uh, maybe it looked kind of like a four-five-one. So what I noticed was, and, and you tell me if you saw something different. For sure, when Morales came in the game, which was kind of late. I mean, well, he was what. A, even before, even before that, like, like, okay. like the time that um, third minute, first chance we, the first goal we, we created, the chance that we created for the first goal. I mean, Zardes was a good five yards behind the the um, half line, right? And and Ariola was uh, ten yards behind the half line. He's he's one v one. I mean, is that not a low block? Is that too high for a low block? It was no, you're, very, you're, you're... it was very compact. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. It's a low block. It's sort of where we establish line of confrontation. And then once you once once Canada sort of moves the ball beyond that, then we drop as a unit uh, to where the ball has sort of moved. Uh, but yes, you're yes. In that, in that case, like everyone, we had a lot of numbers behind the ball. I know. I thought there was a I thought there was something also good about the way we the way we got compact and deep. And then, um, you know, Zardis was looking to nick something and and get going you know with the help of obviously Sebastian Legette and Paul Ariola not pretty soccer but it was i don't know if it was well drilled but it was it was effective and it looked like we weren't going to get broken down unless Alfonso Davies did something majestic which it did feel like he might do throughout the night <laughs> so anyway that's my there there was some low block stuff going on i thought throughout the game but you think it was only after Morales came on 
No, 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 no. I, I, I wouldn't say that. There was definitely some low block stuff, but it's just it was sort of dictated by where Canada could put the ball. So when Canada had the ball at their goalkeeper's feet or in the back line, like there were routinely like organized, like uh, designed five to six American players beyond midfield. Um, sometime it'd be like uh, the it'd be Zardes plus Legette plus one other uh, winger, whether it's Morris or Ariel, like up in a line of three with three midfielders behind him. Uh, sometimes it would be that weird four-two-two-two shape with Ariola and Morris high, and Zardes and Legette as a narrow two beyond them. Yeah. Uh, but it was it, the fact that there would be two distinct lines of defense above midfield. Uh, that's where I think the big departure is. You're right. There were times where Canada would like break through that initial pressure and we would drop into a low block and then we would kind of stay in that low block and sag and, and sort of just maintain our four, four, two shape, uh, or, or legit might sag back even more into that four, five, one. But, but yes, uh, there, there would be elements of like that phase of the game of defending in that low block. But, but the big turning point for me again was the fact that we were willing to put two lines of defense above the midfield line. Okay. How much do you think as a coach, you're a coach, I'm not. How much do you think Berhalter time Berhalter spent on that over the last couple of weeks? Was it, is that does that take a lot of time to to drill or um pretty simple? Uh I would my guess is that was the majority of the uh of that pre-camp that we held. Because the, there wasn't there wasn't either that or set pieces, uh, which yeah. we which we capitalized on pretty well. Um, and I think that that first corner kick was like a designed set piece where where we were looking to find Dest in that space. I don't think it was like a mishit ball from uh, from the corner. But uh, but no, t- I think there were definitely different looks, different like sort of pressing looks. Like I said, sometimes it would be the two wingers going high. Sometimes it would be uh, Zardes and Legit. Like that to me says that the group knew different ways of, of, of sort of attacking as a defensive unit, defending in the attacking third, I think is sort of what the phase would be. And I, I want to acknowledge Zard, you know, Zardis was pretty intelligent in that whole scheme. I thought he was, he was uh, flexible. He was willing to drop back. I mean, willing's probably not the, the right word, but he dropped back effectively when the others were pressing, he pressed when he needed to. I uh, I appreciated that from Jazzy's artist, and given that we're a podcast that has not been you know overly praising of Zardis <laughs> over the last six months, got to give credit where credits due. We for sure should. I'll say we I'll say we're fair in our Zardes criticism in that we are not just like blindly anti Zardes. Uh, the Zardes criticism is always sort of within the context of he was he is and was a bad fit for what Burhalter was trying to accomplish when he's trying to play like a very deliberate possession game that utilizes your target forward as this combination player with two number tens. Like Zardes is argue like from, in my mind, one of the worst fits you could choose. Yeah. Uh, but we went to bat for Zardes ahead of the Mexico friendly when we were like, Oh, well, if we're going to play a more direct style or if we're going to press them a little bit higher, then it might make sense to start Giazzi Zardes. That's true. And, you did. You and, said that. Mm-hmm. And, well, and that, that's really what this game was. There, were, there weren't a lot of like times where we were building up with 15, 20 passes. Almost all of our chances came from three passes. Boom, boom, boom. We're, we're trying to attack forward. And in that scenario where Giazzi Zardes' job is to sort of apply the finishing touch, uh, work really hard and make intelligent runs, like, okay, fine. Zardes, do that work. Yeah, he was a good fit for this game as much as a lot of you won't want to hear that. And that's what that's what Berhalter essentially said in the press conference. He says we we wanted some we wanted his physicality, his pace, and his uh, basically talked about physicality and pace. To be honest, I'm just I'm just reporting what he said. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about. I want to talk about a couple other things I liked in the game before we get to the lineups. If you're okay with that, yes, definitely both. A couple, three, four. To be honest, um, we played hard. I think that's important. We did play hard, and and maybe it had everything to do with the defensive shape. You can everything to do with it. Everything to do with it. You you, you really think that's all it was? Yes, we were an aggressive defensive side instead of a passive defensive side, and we basically let people loose to do those things, and they did them. Okay, all right. So it's all in the tactics. I one hundred percent believe that that is in the tactics. Like it, we, I don't think that we have a bunch of guys who suddenly decided to try hard. Uh, 
and who weren't trying hard in the last game. Uh, I think we put players who were in, who were a little bit better suited to their roles for one, but two, uh, if you if you again if you design the team and the and the tactics to get up and get after them, of course they're gonna they're gonna be more aggressive. The, it, it all comes through in the body language, the posture, uh, everything about it was the was the design. Hmm. Okay. I mean, Berhalter's not talking about it that way, right? He's he's saying we we brought the intensity, uh, we we gave the collective effort in a way that we didn't essentially last month in Toronto. But anyway, I mean, I guess I'm I'm not going to try to mediate between you and Greg <laughs> between the Greg with two G's and Greg with one. Uh, Ariel and Morris defended really well on the wings. I mean, Legette, McKenney, Yule, especially in the first half, were flying all over the field. Uh, Zardes put in his his shift that we've discussed already, and I thought the entire back line had a good game defensively. I know you you disagree with me partly on that. It was definitely not Joga Bonito, but we. <laughs> I, yeah. I won't disagree with you on that. The, the fact that they had a good game defensively, I think, is 100% true. I think that also goes back to uh, the fact that we never put them in the positions we put them in in the first game. In the first game, when we applied no pressure to the ball almost anywhere on the field, uh, you're letting Canada pick out passes to try to let guys run in behind our back four. And so you're putting immense pressure on the back four. When you're putting a ton of pressure on Canada everywhere on the field— then those passes start that Canada's hitting from their back line up at our at our sort of uh, uh, top of the eighteen become sort of hopeful searching balls, and those are much easier to deal with. Yeah, no, that makes sense. The second thing I liked is the back line selection. It was surprising that Berhalter put Dest at right back and Reem at left back, and I mean I think most people would have expected either Yedlin or Cannon at right back, and then Dest at left back. And I think this worked out just fine, you know, just, I mean, even well, it worked out even well. I thought Reem and Des were two of the USA's best players on the night. And I was pleased with the back four as, as a whole. Yeah, no, no disagreements here. Uh, third thing is Zardis over Sargent turned out okay. We've already discussed that. <laughs> um, it was, you know, there's always weeping and gnashing of teeth on on the internet about Zardis starting a game over Josh Sargent, but Sargent does look did look like he was sleepwalking a little bit last month. I suppose you'll probably attribute that to the defensive shape as well. Yes, <laughs> all the sleepwalking for me was is is tactics. Okay, all right. Nobody was out there like ah, it doesn't matter if we win or lose. Like our some of our worst performers were actually trying really hard. Roldan and Pulisic were two of the, like the worst performers. They were trying their guts off. Uh, they were just put in some really bad situations. Okay. Well, in any case, Zardes got a brace and it turned out okay. And <laughs> okay, Zardes did very well, and and his goals were well taken, and like he he performed. Yeah, the first goal in particular was uh, was impressive to me. I didn't think the second goal was particularly well taken. It it uh, it it benefited from a deflection, but we'll we'll get into that. And then my fourth thing, very quickly, is Legette overruled on was, you know, we've been calling for this, uh, hoping that Legette would get a start in one of these games. He finally This did. is his second start. Second start. Okay. In the Burhalter era. And it had the two twofold effect of giving us a little more bite and drive in central midfield, a, a topic we have covered a lot on this podcast. And n- number two, it allowed Wes McKinney to move back and sit next to Ewell more often than he was operating as like a 10 on in zone 14 which actually nobody was doing for the U.S. in this game for most of the game. But uh, anyway, McKinney's more comfortable, I think, further back. Legette being in there in front of him allowed McKinney to be further back. And McKinney came under a lot of criticism after the game because he did have several rough moments. That is kind of how Wes McKinney plays, it seems. (laughs) Uh, But almost all of those, aside from the, the really bad pass early in the first half that forced John Brooks to commit a foul, all of his bad moments came after the hour mark 3-0 up yeah 3-0 up if if we're going to sort of make excuses 3-0 a lot of his other bad moments came when he'd been pushed into like the attacking center mid role right uh after Morales came in and we were in like a 4-2-3-1 right i mean that's not a that's not a 100% excuse it's just a a mitigating factor and it's and it speaks to why it's so important to have started legit because McKenney's not very good in a, in a pure attacking mid role or even like the most attacking mid role he's much better 
in that sort of uh, in-between mid center midfield role. I mean, he's what he's really good at is getting the ball in transition and bursting forward and finding a, a, a good or sometimes even clever pass to spring an attack. That's and like, then also and then also continuing his his movement into the attack to arrive late. Yep, yeah. And he he did he did do that a couple times tonight. Nothing quite came of it, but he definitely was involved in some XG creation. <laughs> um, let's do the lineups. Unless you have, uh, do you want to say anything you liked? Because we will talk about things we didn't like. I'm sure. Uh, no, I think, I think you've hit them. The legit, the legit start was huge, uh, because that was my big thing. My big thing was don't have Weston McKenney in the attacking mid role. So we moved him and, uh, and we've wanted to see legit for a long time. Very happy to have actually had that finally happen. Yeah, totally. Canada. And he was great. Within 40 seconds, legit had an incredible, like not incredible. He had an immediate legit moment where he pushed the ball forward very quickly and we earned a corner that we then scored from. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was immediate. He's he he's not a you know he's not a world class player and he's never gonna be, but he does he is definitely an improvement on Christian Roldan. Canada's lineup, Canada's <laughs> right. lineup. Davies the the notable thing here is that Alfonso Davies played left back, started at left back. I know John Herdman, the Canadian national team coach, came under some fire for that and has come under some fire since the game. Uh, Doniel Henry at left center back, Steven Vittoria at right center back, Richie Laria at right back. And then the midfield was, uh, Mark Anthony K, Scott Arfield, Samuel Piet, Piet and K would be the deeper line guys, Jonathan Osorio. Um, and then up top, uh, Lucas Cavallini and Jonathan David. I don't know. Did you have any reaction to the lineup other than like, Hey, Davies is playing left back, which is a position he plays for Bayern Munich anyway. Yeah, uh, my my reaction wasn't necessarily the lineup, but when when people kept saying Canada should just sit in because all they need is a draw, like I was kind of surprised by that. I didn't expect Canada to do that, uh, but I also wasn't expecting the U.S. to change everything that they had sort of uh, done from the other game. Um, but he, here's my question for you, Bells: Who out of that Canada lineup? Because again, Canada were com- felt like they were in complete control of the uh, friendly in Toronto, or not the friendly, the uh, the first tie in Toronto. Right. Who from this Canada lineup had a good game yesterday, Friday? Mm, I mean, nobody really. I still that's, think I still think Osorio. I still think Osorio and Kay are pretty decent players, and obviously Davies is good. Yeah, John, Davies had a couple of moments where you're like, Jesus, we like we can't play with this guy. But but it was it was one or two isolated moments, and they they came to very little. Uh, it came com- to not. Compa- yeah, compared to the Toronto leg, like this was no one. They they didn't look good at all. So you'd you'd be like, oh yeah, typical Canada. Like that's that's what t- that Friday game felt like was. Oh yeah, they have a, they have they have some talent on the on paper, but they don't look like anything special. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's a fair. I would say a fair assessment. Jonathan David had a horrible game. He he did not look like a ten goals through the first three months of the season striker in Belgium at all. Yeah, I and mean, I, we, we and I want to be we clear. Were the better side. It was a dominant performance. And and I'm not saying that I'm not saying this to like sort of take away the fact that we won four one to say it didn't mean anything because Canada were poor. I'm saying it to say what was happening in the other game against Canada where we made them look like world beaters. Like it's we a road game. It's really <laughs> tough on the road. So that's that's where I keep going with all this is that. The performance tonight, which again felt to me like what a, a first game performance for a manager could have looked like, just puts in such stark relief what the last uh, ten to twelve games for the U.S. have sort of looked like. What we did on Friday night, what what Berhalter did on Friday night, allowed us to stop underperforming our talent. I think that's I think I think that's a very succinct way of putting it, Bells. Thank you. A Greg. correct, correct and succinct. The U.S. lineup. A little surprising that we went with Reem at left back and Dest at right back, as I uh, already alluded to. Um, Ewell was the Bradley Michael Bradley replacement. Bloomington, Minnesota native Jackson Ewell um, was the number six, the Bradley replacement. And then McKinney Leggett. Uh, let's see. Zardis up top, of course. Long and Brooks at center back. Ariel and Morris at on the wings. And Brad Guzan in goal. And Bells, Brad- how do you... How did you decide what order to do that that lineup introduction in? Based on my notes, which were a little confusing, so I I was playing hopscotch. I liked it. 
I want to do all the all of them that way from now on. So yeah, I mean everybody knows the lineup, right? Yeah, those those, those are definitely the eleven that took the field for the U.S. <laughs> Sergio Death <laughs> cap tied at the whistle. Yeah, yeah, that's a big that's a big deal. That's and he played really well too, in my opinion. Scoring summary. Let's start with the the third minute goal. Do you wanna do you wanna go for it? You wanna you wanna roll the dice here? <laughs> All right. So uh, Davies has our our top defender, Paul Ariola, uh, in a one v one battle, uh, right around not uh, basically around midfield. Yeah. Uh, Ariola manages to actually sort of poke it away from him. Uh, it kind of gets to Zardes, who you know wins the wins the race to it. And Zardes has a nice little, uh, in in a fairly tight space, layoff to Lejet, uh, who hits a really nice early ball to Ariola and puts him into space. And then Ariola tries to hit an early ball to Morris, who is uh, streaking in on the, I don't know, maybe right down the middle. Yes, he and, was. And uh, it's it's cut out for a corner. Lejet takes the corner, and it's low toward the top of the box. Dest attacks it kind of ricochets off of the defender and then back off of Dest, if I saw the replay correctly. I'm still not sure what happened on that, to be honest. In any case, Dest is credited with the assist because it it uh, loops over the back line. Uh, Alfonso Davies had been marking Jordan Morris on this play. He lost him. Jordan Morris uh, stroked it on the, on the volley from six yards out. I, I thought it was interesting on the TUDN uh, broadcast. They they did a whole graphic novel on Alfonso Davies losing uh, <laughs> losing Morris on this play. Like they had like the red f- funnel coming out of his eyes, pointed at uh, his field of desk. vision. Yeah, exactly. They they like cut out his outline, and it like it sort of palpitated out of the screen as he was doing <laughs> that. So yeah, Davies was culpable in two ways on that on that goal. The giveaway, obviously, and then um, lost Morris. But nice finish by Morris. Excellent finish by Morris. Yes, but the definition of opportunistic. Uh, just a little side note. I always think it's funny because when we get to the goal that Canada scored uh, on the English broadcast of that, um, Twelman's quick to sort of point out like uh, the weakness, the weaknesses of zonal marking on corner kicks, mm-hmm. uh, which people I swear will do any time a goal is conceded by a team that marks zonally on corner kicks. But no one ever, no one ever like calls out the weaknesses of man marking on corner kicks, where people will routinely lose their marks. People lose marks all the time in man marking systems. Uh, you don't always give up goals on those because for that to happen, the ball has to scuff off of several people to get to the wide open Jordan Morris. But but it's never man marking's fault when that happens. But on the in the reverse case, it is zonal marking fault when Canada scores on the U.S. Boy, sounds like you have an axe to grind. Have you have, have you been, have you been getting have you been getting emails from parents about your zonal marking scheme? I know. I actually man mark on all corner kicks, uh, and it's like okay. I don't care. Never leave your man for the ball. Like I don't care if the ball goes three yards away from you. Like you just wrap your player up, uh, arms around their shoulders, and stay with them until the ball goes out of bounds or ends up in the goal. All right. All right. <laughs> there's no there's no VAR in youth soccer in Iowa, so no one's gonna no one's gonna bring us up on on tugging people down in the box on, on set pieces. All right. Eighth minute. I, I want to note something in the eighth minute, not a goal, but uh, McKinney plays something of a hospital ball to Yule in our defensive third. It, this is, we were trying to build out of the back at this point in the game. I think it is fair to say. Uh, and Yule gets crunched by Cavallini. It was maybe retaliation for Yule fouling Mark Anthony K, or maybe it's just a play that happened quickly and Cavallini got him. Anyway, Just a forwards foul, right? Could be. Striker, yeah. striker tackle. Yellow card foul. Um, what's notable to me is that John Brooks comes in stage right, uh, body checks Cavallini in the post-foul negotiation period, and just lets him know, yo, yo, I'm here. You shouldn't do that to my boy Jackson. And I, and I, I'm, that's not something we've seen a ton from this group. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize John Brooks as a hot-headed fellow, but it was good to see that from him. Eighth minute. All right. Tenth, All right. I'm glad we clocked that. Tenth minute, tenth minute chance for the USA. Uh, this is only really a half chance, but it allows me to get on what I've decided is going to be my soapbox. Yours is uh, man marking, zonal marking discussion. Um, <laughs> it, and it's and my soapbox is, is quality in the fullback position is absolutely critical. It's it's something we've seen with the U17s. They didn't they didn't really have it at the World Cup, and uh, and 
you know, you, we're, we're, we've seen it with like Lovitz and Yedlin in the last game. I know the defensive scheme was the main thing, but we also didn't get much quality from them in the in the last Canada game. Having Dest out there is just it just makes everything so different. I think this is a kind of a half chance of a Zardis header that gets blocked right off his head, but it started with a Canada clearance that Dest receives and wins and and kind of turns cleanly with. And he gets a little tricky on the ball and he finds Ariola's feet. Ariola's pass is a poor one, but we're in Canada's attacking third, and then and it's just like a series of. Uh, Canada not being able to play out of it, their own defensive third. It comes down the left side again, and Legette hits that sort of wicked outside of the boot cross to Zardes's head. Really surprising ball. But it all kind of starts with uh, a little bit of problem solving from the fullback. That level of problem solving is huge. And and when don't get me wrong, when I say that the major thing in this game was the, the defensive scheme, it's because that's uh, what sort of created our the majority of our chances. Uh, was creating those transition moments. Um, but if we're going to pair that defensive scheme, because there's nothing about that defense that won't work as a complement to a possession offense. It's not like, oh, well, we have to give up possession to try to uh, defend up high and press. Like right. it's, it's the opposite. We should be able to do both of those things. We're trying to open up this new revenue stream for creating goals, and we got those chances through that. We should also be able to build towards creating goals from – good possession and attacking positional play. Those two things are f- the opposite of mutually exclusive. Big picture. So we what we saw from Berhalter is a, a big shift on the defensive scheme. He didn't sound happy with the way we possessed the ball and, you know, it's And now, he shouldn't he shouldn't be. No, yeah, definitely shouldn't be. Uh it's now the now famous phrase disorganizing the opponent with the ball and creating goal scoring opportunities. We didn't we didn't really do that outside of our transition moments or set pieces, um, is it okay? Here's the question. Is it okay to just, to just start, start back from scratch, have a, have a better defensive shape, let those chances come as they may. And then just sort of layer in the sort of disorganizing the opponent with the ball stuff as time goes by. And as the player pool improves, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I kind of think it's a misleading question because it's where I go back to this whole this whole Burhalter process thus far, like to date, had been uh, just a missed opportunity. Like it's it's lost time because we could have always been defending this way. There's nothing about defending this way that somehow prohibits trying to play a very progressive possession game of soccer. So we should have already been doing this, hmm. uh, and we should have already been trying to work in our possession principles um, and. And and I I'm not one who thinks we should abandon possession altogether because again I don't think that that is a requirement like I, I don't think you have to choose to be a transition team or a progress or a possession team like you cre- you try to create transition moments yeah. but you also have uh, Warshaw actually in his TSS uh, appearance really kind of kind of just brushed on this when he was talking about like the nine phases of the game uh, and if T- TSS guys Daryl and Taylor if you guys are listening. Please, 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 in your soccer 101, do like a whole bit on the phases of play because it would be huge for people to understand because we keep talking about like uh, U.S. teams lacking grit and lack and, and trying to switch to this possession style. But tons of possession teams have that grit like they're not they're not sort of like opposite ends of a spectrum. They're very much related. And and you've kind of been digging into that with your. Uh, with your research on Barcelona's defense and Xavi and Iniesta and how well they defend and how often they commit tactical fouls and uh, mm-hmm. and that's and that's all of a piece and so and sort of sort of well, that's the, the thing, long way the of thing saying. about the phases the thing about the phases is everybody has to participate in all the phases whether you whether it's five phases or nine phases however you break it down you can't just say well we don't do that phase like you have to have a transition phase plan right 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 and you have to have a possession like at some point you're going to be in possession of the ball and you shouldn't just surrender the ball immediately like oh as soon as we get the ball all right well we don't want it let's just give it back to them so that we can set up our press or anything like you're going to try to create goals through your possession just like you're going to try to look for opportunities to disrupt the opponent's possession to create chances right and Warshaw, Warshaw did that. He was critical of Burhalter for that. Even as he said he gave, gave him a, gives him a longer leash than most of us, he he said, yeah, we we're not doing anything to create goal scoring opportunities in transition. That's what he said, right? I think it's what he said. I bet so. We'll 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 check back and and make sure we credit him in the show notes. So so you think it's a misleading question because of course, like it's a stupid question because of course you can do both, right? 
Yeah, it, yeah, we have to be doing both, and it's, and it, you especially do both when you're better. Like when you're the better team, when you're better than Canada talent wise, when you're better than Curacao talent wise, Jamaica. Like it's silly to to sit back and let them let them pretend like they're good. They're a good team. Like I know that sounds harsh, but like don't let them be a good team. Make them prove that they are, uh, and they're not going to be able to because they. They aren't just like we have our talent deficits. Like they have massive talent deficits that they're dealing with as well. Mm-hmm. So Canada, you know, Canada pressed us quite a bit on Friday night, and we ended up just lumping the ball forward a lot. I guess we, you and I, disagreed to, to what extent we did that. I mean, I, I say, thought we, I thought we did a lot of lumping, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, definitely after midway through the first half and beyond, it was it was lump city. For sure. Yeah, I like I actually I think I'm going to have to do like uh, the same way I did with the uh, Mexico Gold Cup final. Just cut U.S. possessions because it, it's easy to sort of lose track of what's going on when we have it. And then you, Canada has it and we sort of forget what we've looked like in attack. But when you see all of our possessions sort of stacked up on top of each other. Like I think I think we're going to see we really didn't have a lot of good ideas starting from the back. Well, it's it's just it's. Frankly, terrifying when Wes McKenney receives the ball in Canada's zone fourteen. Um, you will, I think, you will had a solid game. He played pretty well, but he's not. He wasn't transcendent on the half turn. I think it's a midfield, a little bit of a midfield talent deficit, or at least not the right kind of talent for that job. Anyway, you're talking, you're talking Ewell specifically. Well, McKenney and Ewell. Sure. Like, can we? Can we? be a team can a can you be a team that disorganizes the opponent with the ball and creates goal scoring opportunities if you have four people on the field who can't do that can you do that <laughs> as a team if you don't have 10 field players and frankly a goalkeeper who's good with his with the ball at his feet and then like can we do it with Jordan Morris Paul Ariola Weston McKenney Jazzy Zardes Jazzy Zardes um I mean, Aaron Long, Berhalter was very clear that Aaron Long is still trying to learn how to play out of the back. Like that's not his, that's not his game in New York. Um, right, right. So you, you, you name the players you just named and then you say, all right, now we're going to, we're going to see what they look like in a free flowing, uh, positional interchanging game of soccer. Yeah. I just don't see it. I don't see, I don't see McKenney and McKenney's kind of the key one. Cause I thought, I thought for a time that maybe he could be that guy, you know? Uh, he could like find the ball and command the ball and, uh, you know, deceive people on the half turn and find clever passes that broke things open. It doesn't look like he's going to be that guy. I, I think, I think what the case I'd always made was, uh, you could pull it off if McKenney is sort of your worst, uh, one of those kinds of players. Like if you've got a bunch of fluid players, then McKenney can sort of filter in with that group. Yeah. But when you have five or six of those types where where it's not a natural thing for any of them then then no you're probably you're probably barking up the wrong tree so i kind of even forgot where we were going with that but <laughs> uh probably a good signal we should get back to the scoring summary <laughs> let's do 23rd minute goal usa this one starts with guess who serginio dest again uh borjan the canadian goalkeeper lumps it and dest gets to it heads it sharply to spring areola areola drives forward and plays a ball across the field to Morris at the top of the box. Now, to be fair, Stephen Vittoria probably should have cut this out. Yes. Yeah, so this is, this is two horror shows from Canada. Uh, Alfonso Davies, I feel like has completely misplayed the initial long ball from the goalkeeper where he's in this no man's land where a simple header from like the shortest U S defender is able to just put Paul Areola into almost like a mini breakaway like that rough game yeah yeah, that's real bad so you can't you you have to read that you can't go beat death to the ball but you also have somehow let paul Ariola just completely in free behind you yeah and then yeah and then like vittoria misses the header and just kind of like cancels himself eliminates himself from the play morris takes a touch the touch is a bit heavy uh into the area but he gets to it before Borjan and clips it over over the keeper across the face of goal for Zardes, who is making a, a good near post run. Uh, kind of drags this guy towards the far post and then comes near post and nods it home. So 2-0 USA inside 25 minutes. I will say I'm not sure Josh Sargent moves the way Zardes does on that goal. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready to say he does not. Uh, but in, in any event, it's the second goal is, I think, what, three passes? Uh, Des to Ariola, Ariola to Morris, Morris to Zardes. Blitzkrieg. Yes. And it's, it's something that we, we should be able to score goals like that. I'm not saying that as a criticism and saying, I thought we were trying to pass. I still think we should try to pass. But when we can get there in three passes, we should get there in three passes. Yeah, totally. Canada created chances on a Zardes giveaway, and just about everyone except Brooks and Dest had some kind of sloppiness to answer for in the first half. So even though we're up 2-0 USA, 2-0, this was not a extremely sharp performance, even at this point in the game. I didn't think unpolished. Can we call it unpolished? Yeah. And and I'm, this is gonna be my first uh first like Brooks caveat. Uh Brooks got away with uh a little bit of, of a foul. I mean he he committed several fouls in, in semi dangerous areas, but then he definitely got away with one right at the top of the box that would have been extremely dangerous. Would it have been a penalty? I can't rem- remember. No, it was but it was it was like a yard outside the box. Yeah. He, it would, he, he if would it have. had been called, it for sure would have been that old school referee compromise where whether it was in the in the box or not, the referee would have put it right at the edge of the box. Right. It was a. Uh, it was probably a foul, in my opinion. So that's where I'm I'm calling that a little bit of Brooks sloppiness. Yeah. But I guess you're correct in that we didn't have to answer for it because it wasn't called. Why don't you just go ahead and pull out your Brooks polemic right now? <laughs> it's not even a polemic. Like, I think Brooks is great, and I'm very glad to have him back, and he was solid. He was fine. But it was weird because I feel like the Brooks narrative was already written in that it was like Brooks to the rescue, and we finally have John Brooks back, and he's like this very smooth passer on the ball, and he uh, is this physically dominant player. Um, I didn't I didn't think Brooks gave us much. I, I don't mean he hurt us. He didn't do anything poorly. But I didn't think he gave us like a single thing that we haven't already been getting from our center backs. Yeah, I, I mean, I see where you're coming from. I, d- but I do think I, I've already expressed this to you. I do think there's a certain calmness and confidence on the ball that uh, almost has a mystical quality. I know, I know, you love it when I bring bring up <laughs> mystical stuff. But it just, it just, it just sort of, it just sort of signals to the rest of the team like it's going to be okay when he has the ball at his feet. I don't get that oh. feeling when Aaron Long has the ball, and I don't get that feeling when Walker Zimmerman has the ball. I kind of get it with Tim Ream, but not as much as I do with Brooks. All right, and that's all that's all well and good, but in this particular game, uh, Brooks didn't have any passes that led anybody into better positions to make passes. Like, his passes tended to... Uh, the recipient tended to lose possession almost immediately, and it wasn't because, like, they did anything poor because... Brooks was, was sort 50, of 50 ball. He was, yeah. yeah, he was floating balls into forwards who maybe elite, like world-class players would be able to hold onto the ball. But when you're just sort of hit driving a ball at Jordan Morris's chest with a guy directly on his back, like Jordan Morris is going to lose that ball a lot. And that's what happened. Um, so we didn't see the sort of John Brooks line splitting passes. Um, he basically was made his, his only passes that were, uh, that maintained possession for the team were the very safe, passes around the back or passes to uh, the outside back. So so just in this game, I just mean it's like the narrative seemed to be, yes, Brooks was huge. It was it was great to finally have the talent of John Brooks back, but we didn't that didn't actually contribute in any way to the uh, to the performance we saw on the field. Yeah, you're you're saying it's all it was all in the defensive shape and and Brooks was just kind of fine. Brooks yeah, Brooks was very much a passenger and uh I know, I know half spaces, uh, evaluations aren't like uh, super analytical as far as like uh, statistical models go. I like them. I like half spaces. I, I do too. I just think they're better. I think they're at least, he's at least saying, all right, all of his, uh, actions that I watched rather than just saying this, these two stood out in my mind. So that, so he had a good game or he had a bad game. Uh, it, it was borne out in his, his sort of analysis of it as well. And that Brooks again, just didn't really do anything. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a, that's bad. I just mean it sort of goes against what the narrative was of we looked this good. Part of it was because we got our some really good players back in Sergino Dest and John Brooks. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think of it that way until you started hammering on me all day about it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, you've you've won me over. It's fine. Brooks was fine. Not not excellent. Uh, 
Let's go. I'll, I'll actually say I'll actually say real quick. I actually think that's a good thing because it means we when we get like the things that Brooks actually does really well because we've seen him do these things. We, we're not imagining that Brooks does these things well. He can do them. We've oh, seen it. He hits a line breaking pass. Yeah. You know, so when he, he when we it. start getting that as well, when we start finding ways to add that to the game, then it becomes a positive. It's not like we've topped out what John Brooks can bring to our team. That's kind of how I see it. So I'm actually like kind of glad that that wasn't the the peak John Brooks. We got a long ways to go before we get before we're maximizing our our Brooks play. So much to be encouraged about. <laughs> right after the second goal, Alfonso Davies moved to the right side of the field and started going at Morris and Reem. So that's just something worth noting. Uh, I thought Morris's defending was good. I thought Ariola's was too. I think I already said that. 32nd minute, uh, goal USA. Again, starts with us working the ball around the back from Dest Brooks to Reem. Reem's under pressure and his pass is deflected and falls, fortunately, to Morris. Morris turns his man at the half line and drives forward, clips it wide to Leggett, who draws a foul on Davies. Boy, Davies, Davies, Davies. He's everywhere in this scoring summary. Uh, who's playing on that side now. And uh, that's that foul is just off the corner of Canada's box. With the ensuing free kick, Reem ropes it at the penalty marker, and Aaron Long comes up with a fine header, a fine header in my opinion, leaps slightly away from goal and snaps it back at the near post. Totally unstoppable. 3-0 USA. And John Herdman said after the game, the Canadian coach, that was the goal where it was kind of like, yeah, this is over. this game is over. Not happening, yeah. That goal combined with what the play looked like up until that point where Again, Canada just sort of been suffocated out of doing anything. Uh, how many goals is that for Aaron Long now? Can I just can I just put you on the on the spot stats, man? Mm, you you can. I I'm gonna say three. <laughs> Two and one game in the Gold Cup, and then this one. Yeah. Did did he also? Yeah. I think it, I think that's what it is. Three. Well, that's that's plenty for me to say. He's now a prolific scorer between him, <laughs> Walker Zimmerman, John Brooks in the World Cup. Like we've got some. Got some goal scoring center backs. Yeah, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Any any thoughts on that whole sequence before we move on to the next? Uh, set piece goal scoring is a excellent source of goal revenue. Uh, we, it's not necessarily sustainable to score two set piece goals a game, but it's good that we did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, If good to see us defending well and scoring on set pieces. That's those are things you need to do in soccer, but not defending set piece as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to All that. Thirty right. seventh minute chance USA after a Canada corner kick. McKenney dispossesses uh, Richie Laria at the top of our box and then drives forward. It's basically uh, he and Dest in a two on one against I can't remember who from Canada, and he just plays it ahead for Dest. And Dest tries, dribbles all the way down, tries a shot from a tough angle and sprays it wide. Should have probably squared it to McKenney. Uh, but good chance. Everybody would have been really excited if Dest had scored on his cap tying appearance. 45th minute plus one, another chance. Um, can we, can we discuss the trickery indirect? Uh, yeah, Canada, you got to know the rules. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know this rule. I have to admit. I'm not, you know, I didn't know the rule at all. I was on it immediately, Bells. <laughs> Were you screaming at your television? Oh, I was screaming at my television. I think I I think I jumped immediately into the Slack into the Slack channel with, with oh, an yeah. incredible all caps. Tr- trickery indirect kick. Yes, you are not allowed to, by trickery, <laughs> work to head the ball back to your goalkeeper. Seems so like, it seems like a dumb rule. <laughs> it's I, I think I've seen it called like three times but it was like a high profile call like uh, a year ago where the, they then like flash back to the other higher profile time it was called like two years before that uh hilarious hilariousness and the one issue i have here is that the line that the referee drew for canada's wall was like an angled line like you'd normally see for a wall situation uh, when in fact, like all of Canada's players should have had to have been standing on the goal line itself because you still have to be 10 yards from the ball or at the, at the out of bounds line. Oh man, we got robbed. Nerdy, nerdy rule stuff. We got robbed. Well, we, we took that indirect kick and McKenney took a shot and Zardes blocked it on the goal line. It was, it wasn't a Canadian. It was Zardes. <laughs> okay. So, so Zardes who's too close to the ball. It might've been going wider off the post. Who can say, who can say for sure? Uh, the halftime came and went 
55th minute chance USA. Let's try to get, I'm going to try to get through these quickly. Okay. All right. All Lo- right. I won't distract you. Lovely crossfield switch from Tim Ream to Serginio Dest. Again, I thought Tim Ream was excellent. Dest to McKenney. McKenney, clever little quick pass to Ariola. Ariola cuts in and tries to play a through ball to Leggett on the other side, but they're not on the same page. It falls to Zardis. And there's a scramble as his shot is blocked right off his foot. And it, and then he pokes it back to Leggett just past the penalty marker. Leggett has the whole ma- the whole goal to shoot at. And he hits his shot over the crossbar. Big smile from him. He knew he uh, should have made it 4-0. Belsey did not have the whole goal to shoot at. He had like a, a third of the goal that he was aiming for. Two, and he just missed it. Two thirds it of the goal to shoot a, at. Uh, Five-twelfths. Five <laughs> Wait, you don't think he had the whole goal to shoot at? No, there were. I mean, there were bodies between him and the goal, so he definitely did not have the whole goal to shoot at. He was trying to. He was. He was hitting it to the open portion of the goal, and he should have done better. But okay. uh, he was trying to punch it into that open, open portion. My apologies, Sebastian. Seventy-seven, seventy-first minute goal, Canada. This is uh, this is the set piece uh, problem that you were referring to earlier. Why don't you take it? Take this one. So the set piece or the the situation that led to it? Because the situation that led to it is actually a little bit of a John Brooks ding. Tell me. <laughs> it was just a it was like a ball that got played long in into our box. Uh, so Brooks and our defense obviously drops back to to clear it, and we do clear it. Um, and then uh, who did it get up to for Canada? Um, it, I think it was K Mark Anthony K. All right, so no, K puts it, it was puts a... it back into the box and. Brooks is uh, three yards behind everybody else, which he might, he might, maybe he was supposed to be like the deep man on the initial ball in, but he didn't get up fast enough to get online with the rest of the players. So he was holding on. Uh, Hoylet. Hoylet, who, who had the shot that Guzan made, made a solid save on. Ah, you, so, th- you think he would have been on? You think, I, f- I felt like there were like tons of people holding him on. He was just sort of. Oh, no, it was Brooks. It's not, it's not true? Okay. Uh, by the time by the time Hoylet got to the ball, he was on line with everybody else. But when the actual header came in, it was one of those weird ones where like the header gets played to people who look like they're going to play it, but then nobody plays it, so it goes past everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you go back to the actual ball that got played in, uh, Brooks is definitely holding Hoylet on. Okay, two or three Brooks dings. Nah, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, it's, send them to that's Jan tough, Regensburg. That's a pretty tough one. That'd be a pretty tough one. Um, and then on the, the goal happens on the, uh, ensuing corner kick after a nice, uh, what did you say? A solid save by Guzan? I thought it was a solid save from Guzan. Yeah. Did everything right. Hoylet's corner is attacked at the near post by Osorio. He gets there first and he glances it off his own head and then off of Zardis's head. And it, uh, it kind of trips over to the back post for Vittoria to thump it in. And I think Reem lost Vittoria, right? Um, not sure, but yeah. Zonal, so zonal marking lost Vittoria. Zonal marking. Never zonal mark. You'll always get scored on. 3-1 USA. 73rd minute uh, chance for the USA. Long ball from deep. Morales flicks it to Ariola, who plays a nice pass in behind for Zardes, who kind of just bundles his way into the box, and it squirts out to Morales who absolutely skies this shot from 18 yards. If his artist had taken that shot, there would be gifs everywhere. <laughs> there probably should, still should be like yeah. Morales really did a number there. I think you're underselling what Zard has accomplished there too, because he didn't just sort of bundle his way in. Uh, I mean, he was, he was, it might've lacked sort of the elegance of, of sort of Chris Chelsea era, Christian Pulisic, but, but Zardes was, was mostly in control, taking on, I think, two Canadian defenders working, working towards the goal. Uh, and then sort of only at the time of his shot did he get uh, either sort of out-muscled or uh, his shot deflected. So give Zardes, give Zardes more credit. we got to give him his credit. He was dispossessed, Greg. He was well, dis- the, I thought it was a shot attempt that sort of got deflected maybe, back Maybe out. it was. Maybe it was. Um. Okay, a little more credit for Zardis on that one. And uh, and then finally, 89th minute, goal USA. You will quick restart at midfield and a, and a sort of patented, blooped, you will diagonal ball to the corner for DeAndre Yedlin, who crosses it for McKinney. McKinney attempts a, a scissors kick, I believe, but I'll defer to you on that technical and detail. And it's a scissors, scissors kick attempt, yes. Yeah. I'm not sure he even made contact with it. He made contact with either the ball or someone. Or the player. Body. All right. 
Um, in any case, it it uh, ricochets to Zardis and he thrashes it in off of Derek Cornelius's shin, I believe. 4-1 USA. And that is it for the scoring summary. Whew. <laughs> I'm such an obstacle to these scoring summaries, brevity bells. Like, I'm never going to let you get away with just a quick rundown. Okay, let's assume that Burhalter is going to has had a change of heart, has had a Damascus Road moment about uh, defensive shape, and we're going to see the U.S. play in this way from now on defensively. Um, some some variation of like pressuring to to disrupt what teams are doing rather than just sort of passively sitting back. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not not necessarily like a exact replica of this pressure model. That is the. I mean, just to go back to our last podcast, that's the number. That's the number one thing we asked for. Or really, I mean, it's really the number one thing you asked for, and I just sort of agreed with you. Um, and and we got it right. Uh, so that's so that's a positive thing to take from this game. But how are we going to disorganize the opponent with the ball? Do we have the players? Um, is there a is there a, a way that it can be trained in these national team camps with the players that we have? Will Will getting Tyler Tyler Adams back help? I'm not sure. I I think it, it will. But maybe a little bit. Christian Pulisic will help. Tim Weah, Josie Altador, Richie Ledesma, Alex Mendez. What do you, <laughs> uh, what do you think? I, I think the big one becomes, I think the immediate one, because for a lot of these other guys uh, that you're talking about, uh, they seem to be viewed as sort of longer-term projects, but uh, the big ones would be Adams and Pulisic, right? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I think even a... I'm saying even like I actually I mean I'm on record saying I think Tyler Adams is the best player in the pool at the moment like I think adding Tyler Adams can help you can get you to that point where you can uh, disorganize and it's because of his ability to sort of move quickly off of the ball so uh, we we got glimpses of it I don't know how many people were were avidly watching the U23s on ESPN 3 uh, Friday afternoon (laughs) Thursday 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 afternoon yeah uh, but I was, uh, and and you got to see sort of the the change that can happen when uh, from the first half of the U23 game to the second half, uh, where the first half was pretty dismal and there was very little movement and it looked very much like what we've been seeing from our senior team. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half, you replaced uh, f- like four of the five midfielders and suddenly like there was these this just fluid movement, moving and passing that was sort of... Uh, Against Brazil, like that, that was nothing that we'd seen in the first 45 minutes. Right. So I think that like adding a Tyler Adams uh, into the equation can help give you that because he can just move so fluidly. He can make short passes and then sort of beat the player who had just been pressuring him. And that's really what it comes down to. The guy who I thought was doing the best job of it in the U23 game was Sebastian Salcedo. Like he just make these deceptive little passes and then quickly move to receive it again mm-hmm. uh, after six steps, and that's that's we need we need we need a midfield of guys who do that. Uh, so I think I think we could move in that direction. I don't know that this lineup that we just played against Canada can can sort of transition into a fluid possession, disorganize the opponent team. Is that a is that a yeah. long way of saying it? No, that's a that's. I mean, I think I guess I I just see it as like let's just keep trying, you know. Um, yes, I do think we should keep trying. I don't think we should abandon possession as a uh, method of creating chances. Do you do you still tell, tell me tell me what you see? Tell me what you see. Like what 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 happens in uh, in March or in June? Now that we've assuming we can take care of Cuba, how do we do it? What's what's the what's the next step? What we did on Friday night is what we're going to have to do against Mexico and probably even more um, more of the low block stuff because Mexico is going to have the ball and they're going to be more threatening. And then we just, uh, you know, break out in transition. And, and when we get the ball, we try to possess. Um, hopefully we can get better at that. But how? Tell, I, me, tell me how. I don't, be, I don't know how we get better is it at that. Be like refining, refining the movements of Yule and McKenney? Is, is Does Yule have a place in this? I'm I'm going to make you answer this. I don't, I, I am not optimistic that we're going to be able to do it even with the addition of Tyler Adams. I think we need different, a different kind of player. And I think it's that like, I, I know people think I'm an insane person, but it's like the Ledesma type. It, maybe it's not Ledesma. Maybe he never, maybe he never makes it, but like that, but that kind of player, um, 
with that sort of elegance is what we need. And I don't, I don't, as, as, as important a player as Tyler Adams is, I don't think he's that kind of player. And well, sort of full, full U23 disclosure, the first half to second half change involved Ledesma dropping off of the field from the first half. I know. And the midfield switched to Brendan Harrison, uh, Christian Cappy, and then Salcedo coming in, sort of joining from the wing, and then Georgi Mihailovic. So, not names you'd necessarily be like, oh, those are the guys, because you would have been like, oh, well, Ledesma is the guy to make it flow. And in the U23s, we sort of got the opposite. I don't want to say the opposite, because Ledesma certainly wasn't like the issue necessarily in the first half. Yeah. But we, when he came off, and, and the, this, it's a whole group. You need a whole group to be able to do it. You really do. And, and Salcedo was the best, and he was a winger. And he, but he had a huge impact on the game. And so, Aronson was very busy. Do you know what I mean? Aronson was constantly moving into those little spaces to help create targets for Saucedo to play off of. And that's where I feel like Adams's movement can be that plus, you know, plus he's Tyler Adams. Right. He, I'm saying he's better at it than Brendan Aronson. Yeah. I mean, Aronson is very busy. Uh, it's like he doesn't, I'm not sure he does that much with it once he gets it, but he does, he does stay, he does stay active. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I don't have a good answer for how we do it. My answer is pretty simple. Let's just let's keep let's keep forcing the opponent to to work harder with the ball, and then um, and then continue to work on uh, on disorganizing them with the ball. How exactly we do that is uh, is, is a mystery to me. I'm just a layman. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't I don't I don't know how you do that. I don't. I don't have a great answer either. I, I, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens when it's Adams, uh, it in the midfield. Again, I, I'm adamant that McKenney not be the attacking mid, which only leaves one more spot for McKenney to play in in a three man midfield. Uh, so, so then you you're going to run into questions about whether it has to be McKenney in that spot or if there are other players who might be able to do that job better. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. I think. I think Pomacall. You know, if Pomacall continues to improve and, you know, gets the call-ups, I think he's he's uh, he's going to be co- good competition, hopefully, for Weston McKinney in that eight role. I don't see, I, I don't see, like, Ewell, McKinney, and Leggett as a midfield that's going to be able to disorganize the opponent with the ball. I feel like I've said that seven different times this <laughs> podcast, but it's just hard to see it. It's hard to see it. And and then you need and you know the Salcedo example is actually quite interesting because you need you need wingers who can do it too, um, and and Jordan Morris is not that guy, and neither right. and, neither is Paul Ariola. Right, because what I was going to say is uh, Morris I thought was actually much better with the ball than I thought I thought Ariola kind of struggled with the ball actually his yes. his big pass to Morris notwithstanding, uh, I didn't think Ariola gave us much that at all. That was a he, dime. That was a dime. <laughs> Uh, Ariola, I thought, actually kind of ran into a lot of situations that he should have been able to solve and and couldn't come up with anything. No. Yeah, it's true. And then, you know, Zardes is obviously his, – his issues with that kind of game are well documented. So I I don't know. So so what we're saying is we can do it. We would just have to replace everybody who just had a good game against Canada. Yeah, I don't want to hate on them. I think they are who they are. And, and and I'd also say Berhalter didn't sacrifice anybody who would have done, who would have been possessing. Do you know what I mean? From from his roster that he had here, it's not like dropping Roldan is like giving up on possession because Roldan also wouldn't be able to give us possession. Yeah, I mean Roldan would be able to pass it back to the goalkeeper, which is what a lot of would he be able to? Those? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nine times out of ten, occasionally he would also pass it directly to a forward yeah, for Canada. Nine times out of ten. Do you have any other? Do you have anything else you want to say? No. Do we, what are we expecting for Cuba? I'm kidding. We're not going to do a Cuba preview. Yeah. No. Let's not do that. I mean, it'd be nice to see Sergeant start so he can score six goals and gain confidence. The only thing that would have been useful would have been uh, integrating new faces into the group uh, for this sort of three days of preparation yeah speaking of things that don't matter at all the u23s play the canary islands select team (laughs) Uh, they have to be very careful not to say that they play the canary islands they play a select team from the canary islands yeah the canary islands are not a country 
that they don't want to get they don't want to get um in trouble with Madrid the way Barcelona is, you know. They're not there are no separatists in Tenerife and uh, Las Palmas. Uh so that's too bad. Chile's Chile's political situation prevented them from coming to the tournament. It was going to be four, you know, three strong teams, and then the USA, which you know, hopefully we're strong too. Um, but Chile couldn't come, so we lost to Brazil. Argentina beat this Canary Islands select team fourteen to zero, I believe, and that means we play them in the third place game, which is going to be it's on ESPN three and uh, ESPN Deportes but there's not going to be a lot to draw from it, which is frustrating for me because I'm really interested in that age group. <laughs> right. We love that. We love those kids. We're, we're, we are banking on them and it's not just because like we're uh, hopelessly optimistic. It's because we understand that they have to hit or we won't, or we won't have any success in 2022. Kind of. That's sort of what started this whole, this whole <laughs> enterprise to begin with bells. Yeah. Uh, my, my only U23 thing is to not read too closely into starting lineup selections, uh, especially in that Brazil game. There was a lot of frustration with who was picked to start. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily indicate that those players are rated ahead of uh, the players who were left on the bench. Um, sort of an example would be at left back, Sam Vines starting ahead of Anthony Robinson. Maybe Vines is rated ahead of Robinson or maybe – uh, everyone knows that Wigan are not going to let Anthony Robinson go for four weeks during the month of March. So it might not be useful for the U S coaches to evaluate Robinson when they, when they need to identify players that they can use in the qualifying tournament. Right. Yeah. They're not going to let him go for four weeks in March. No way. He's a, he's an every week starter for them. And it's, and it's possible. A lot of these guys won't, you know, Mendez and Ledesma, their clubs won't have to release them. Yeah. Um, Norchland, I think has been, uh, Northland's notoriously put a freeze on Jonathan Amon. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that can go into those is is we kind of saw the curtain pulled back a little bit after Miles Robinson was injured, where Atlanta United were were sort of talking about how they'd agreed to let him go to the U23s, but had sort of said, "But take it easy on him." So again, those kinds of things are always going on. So even if players were there, they might not have really been available. Right. I'm not too exercised about that 1-0 loss. I'm a little disappointed Ledesma didn't show show better for himself, but I like I liked what I saw from Salcedo. Salcedo, um like like you said, Aronson brought a lot of energy. Mendez had a great 15-minute cameo. Um it's just too bad they won't get to play Ch- Chile tomorrow. By the time you listen to this, it'll be today, 11:15 a.m. Central Time. We got to go. We got to yes. go. Thanks everybody bon for voyage. listening. Thanks thanks Greg. Bon voyage.